If your business is tired of paying unpredictable and high phone bills, do what I did. Switch to Zoom Call's cloud business phone service. You'll pay the same low amount every month, no matter how many calls you have in the U.S. and Canada. And Zoom Calls has a really cool feature called voicemail drops. Whenever you reach someone's voicemail, just say hi in their name and then click a couple of buttons on your phone to leave your pre-recorded message. It saves both your voice and your time. Check out zoomcalls.com. That's zoomcalls.com. I think you'll love it. Attention, you're listening to the Todd Huff Radio Show, America's home for conservative, not bitter talk radio. Be advised that the content of this program has been documented to prevent and even cure liberalism, and listening may cause you to lean to the right. Here's your conservative, but not bitter host, Todd Huff. All right, all right, all right. You are listening to the home of conservative, not bitter talk. And yes, I am your host, Todd Huff. As always, email Todd at ToddHuffShow.com, Facebook.com, slash ToddHuffShow. Should you want to watch the program live or on demand at Facebook, a pleasure to be here. Thank you for joining us. Um, Today is... I feel like I've been saying this a little uh, more frequently lately, but today is going to be slightly different as we have a conversation I want to share with you that I had uh, with a special guest. It's a little bit uh, – it's, it's – well, I'll explain when we get to it. How about that? So the, the first segment is going to be a little bit shorter because the, the conversation is about, about 20 minutes. The interview, I'll just tell you, the interview is with um, a young – a lady by the name of Ashley Bratcher. She is uh, the lead actress of a movie that you may have seen. It's called Unplanned. Uh, it's a Christian Christian movie. She is going to be speaking at, a, at an event for uh, Right to Life Indiana here uh, in the very near future. And so I uh, spoke with her about her movie, some of the other stuff. It's a really interesting story. Um, she's doing some good things. And so we'll talk with her today. I'll share that conversation. Uh, but I wanted to get to, before we did that, a couple of things uh, going on in this uh, never-ending impeachment narrative and saga. So as we're headed towards impeachment in the House, which by the way, I want to be clear on this. I feel like we've been clear, but maybe maybe I need to go back and, and make this uh, reiterate or restate this point. We need to quit. We need to quit asking ourselves if the House of Representatives is going to impeach, impeach Donald Trump. This is a foregone conclusion at this point. Really, the conversation should be: What's the Senate going to do? Um, and of course, the Senate's going to take this up and and um, well have a trial over the potential removal of office. Of President Donald removing President Donald Trump uh, potentially from office, and so the conversation needs to shift to the question of, you know, whether or not this is a legitimate threat, even though Republicans maintain the majority, even though it requires a two-thirds supermajority uh, to achieve the. Objective, which the objective here is to remove Trump from office or to politically damage him tremendously, 
or to at least stop him from being able to undo the massive bureaucratic state. So the questions need to now go to what's going to happen in the Senate. How many Republican defectors are we going to have? How many Republicans are going to treat this as a legitimately serious thing? Now, I want to pause. Of course, the uh, the, the objective or the – in a sane world – Talking about impeaching a president should be a serious should be a serious matter, um, and we should we should take it seriously. But the the argument by which we've gotten to this point of impeachment is totally insane and ludicrous. Totally insane and ludicrous. This is an extension of Russian collusion. This is an extension of a bunch of uh, I, I think over the top crazy talk. I do. I don't take. I don't take anything that the the left is saying about this seriously. This is, as I was talking with a friend yesterday. This is, you know, the, the conversations that they're having, the meetings they're having behind closed doors in Washington D.C. This is about a performance. This is. There is no substantive talk about the search for truth, about determining if President Trump is actually. Uh, somehow guilty of an impeachable offense. This is what they can get away with. This is what they can make it appear to look like. This is what they can do to help their political chances in 2020. That is what this is about. This is a performance. This is a performance. And I know some folks tune in, listen to, watch this stuff daily. I can't take more than about six seconds of this because it's totally ridiculous. I, th- this is my opinion on this. I think that this is is totally ridiculous. Um, I think when it gets down to it, this has been this has been the objective and the plan. Uh, really, again, since they dried their tears, I really believe that when they dried their tears, they were looking for uh, that they decided they decided that the crime, excuse me, the punishment for the crime that had not yet been identified was impeachment, and so they've been on a insatiable quest. To find the crime that fits impeachment, that makes that the punishment that the American people will accept. And they've continually gone from shiny object to shiny object, holding those up for the American people. Can we impeach Trump over this? What about this? What about that? In fact, if you look at key parts of this this testimony in this in this sideshow that's going through uh, you know the, the House uh, the House Judiciary Committee right now, if you look at this. I mean, it's you know you get down to it, and it's all speculation. In fact, that there was a, a part yesterday that the congressman, or maybe two days ago, sometime this week, the, the congressman from Ohio was pressing one of the witnesses. I don't know. It doesn't even really matter because it's all the same thing. It's conjecture. It's hypothesis. Then it's it's speculation. They admit it's speculation, and you realize in a real court of law, which I know impeachment is not a criminal proceeding, but they should at least have some semblance to that. There are at least some principles, some guiding foundational uh, components of our culture, society, the way that America works, law and order. This, these, these basic principles should at least be reflected in this. And when someone says it's my, it, you know, I, I was speculating as to what he meant by this. That's what all this comes down to. And then the headline, this is what I love the most. When one person's speculation inside the government, or someone might say inside the deep state, once these once these two people have the same speculative results, then they th- those those bits of testimony are said to be 
corroborating one another. Absolutely fantastic to me how how this this process works. But so the questions now need to be: What's going to happen in the Senate? Are there going to be Republicans who are defectors on this, who vote to remove him from office? Some names like Susan Collins, Lisa Murkowski. I don't know. Mitt Romney. I don't know. I'm just asking the question. These are things that we need to shift our focus to. So there's also the the Horowitz report coming out, which I look. This is supposed to come out according to Lindsey Graham, according to uh, reports now, December 9th. And this is the report where um, where they looked into the a lot of what's really going on with potentially here with with the government, the falsified FISA document and some of the corruption we saw in our government, in our government as we were looking at um, the 2016 elections. It wasn't Trump colluding with Russia, it turns out. It, it appears that our government was actually doing some very – uh, well, people within our government, powerful people in our government doing things that really did seek to undermine, if you will, influence an election, which I guess is okay if you're a government uh, so long as you're not asking a foreign government to do that. I guess it's okay for our government to be in the business of trying to uh, damage a presidential contender's chance of winning so long as they just work for the U.S. government. Anyway, we'll find out more about this in short order, but I'm going to take an early break so that I can get my entire conversation with Ashley Bratcher in, but I've got to take the time out now. You're listening to The Home of Conservative, Not Bitter Talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff, back in just a minute. Welcome back. So... As I shared before the break, I have this. Uh, I had a conversation with Ashley Bratcher, and I want to share that with you. Um, she'll be here in the Indianapolis area um, in uh, the week after Thanksgiving, week after next, speaking at an event for the Right to Life Indiana. And so, I want to share a conversation I had with her. Had a great time chatting, and hope you enjoy. Uh, this conversation I had with Ashley Bratcher. Here it is. Well, I am joined by Ashley Bratcher. She is the lead actress who played Abby Johnson in the 2019 film Unplanned. Ashley, it's a pleasure to have you. Thanks for joining us. How are you today? I'm good. How are you? I'm great. It's uh, good to have you, and I really do appreciate it. So you played Abby Johnson in the movie Unplanned. So some of the folks in our audience may not have seen that movie yet or be familiar with it. Can you tell us just a little bit about her story? Sure. So Abby is a former Planned Parenthood clinic director turned pro-life activist. There was a point in her career when she was asked to assist on an ultrasound-guided abortion, and it was in that moment when she saw a 13-week-old baby fight for its life that she had a revelation that she had been wrong, she had been lied to, and she had an awakening that what she was doing was wrong. So in preparing for this role, I've seen some other interviews and things that you've uh, said and so forth. This this had a pretty, I mean, it seems to me a pretty profound effect on you. Um, how did this or did this change you and, and your beliefs having having this role? Oh, absolutely. Prior to auditioning for the film, I was what I would call personally pro-life, which is a term that I really just don't like anymore. 
um, I thought to myself, well, I would never have an abortion, but I'd never want to impede on someone else's choice too, which is essentially saying that I'm pro, pro-choice. Um, but when I learned about Abby and I heard her testimony, I just thought, wow, I, I can't believe that I never knew. I had no idea what happened during an abortion procedure, and it blew my mind that I don't think that the general public does either. So it, it also became very personal to me a little bit later, but nevertheless, from that moment on, I knew that I was completely 100% pro-life. It's it's good to see people like you in the entertainment industry actually kind of stand out or stand up for, for the pro-life movement. Um, I think that, um, you know, when I was in school a hundred years ago, we, I was in political science. I was the conservative Christian in the class who was, uh, debating the other, the other students. And I distinctively remember one time in class at American university in Washington, DC, where uh, one of the students called me anti-choice and I paused and I said, you know, I'll allow you to call me anti-choice when you allow me to call you anti-life and, and. It just it just caused her to pause. I guess in bringing that up, all I want to I guess point out and kind of hear your thoughts on is how how do you think uh, I guess society in general? A lot of times the pro life movement is is playing defense. I like what you do because I've seen some some columns that you've written and so forth. At least a a letter to Alyssa Milano and so forth, an open letter. You, you kind of take a little bit of offense, not in a bad way, in a way that I think is necessary. Maybe speak a little to that. I think it's really important to play offense more than defense in in the pro-life movement. I think a common statement that gets made about the pro-life movement is, oh, pro-lifers only care about the baby until it's born, which is just completely ludicrous to me. I have made efforts to make sure that people know I care. Um, I, I know that a lot of pro-lifers care. I mean, it's, it's not just about a baby being born. It's about creating a culture of life where we're supporting women in crisis situations and helping them long after a baby's born by connecting them with resources and mentors and also supporting the family dynamic and helping families understand the significance and the importance and how to parent. Um, I recently started a scholarship program to help young moms who have chosen life for their children to go back to school and complete their degrees or pursue a degree. And I think that's just a simple solution to an easy problem. I think that just walking the walk says a lot. It says a lot more than talking about it. Absolutely. And I was going to ask you a little bit about that. There's a couple of things that your answer there uh, triggered in my, in my mind. Uh, one of those is, is your scholarship, which I'll, I'll ask about in a moment. But the other thing is, uh, the part of the question I alluded to earlier was this uh, this open letter you had written to Alyssa Milano. Um, I see it published here in Deadline. I'm sure it was other places as well. What type of, I guess, response or feedback did you get from this? It was overwhelming, honestly. The letter went viral because I don't think anyone has really stood up to that side of Hollywood. There's a couple of voices that have kind of just been overlooked and silenced, but With Alyssa working here in Georgia and me being a Georgia resident, I felt like it was really important to express my beliefs not only as a pro-lifer, but also as a resident of Georgia, someone who says, no, like I live here too, and I want to have my voice be heard. Alyssa, as far as I know, doesn't own property here. She doesn't pay taxes here. She's coming in as an outsider and trying to speak as the voice of Georgia, and that's just not okay with me. Uh, If she wants 
to continue to work in Georgia, great. If not, then put your money where your mouth is and go somewhere mm-hmm. else, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Well, I'll share this on our Facebook page for folks that haven't haven't read uh, what you'd written. I really appreciate seeing stuff like this because someone that does what I do, uh, someone that comments on cultural and political issues, it's it's rare to find someone who's uh, embracing biblical biblical values like you do. And I think we need to encourage uh, folks like you tremendously because there's a lot of people out here, a lot of people that are silent, but we're applauding inside. Uh, it's just kind of the nature yeah. of, of conservative folks. So I want to say thank you for, for making those stands. I'm sure that's not always easy. Yeah. You know, what I found, though, is that if you're just honest, truthful, authentic, and kind, kind being the main word, a lot of people will respect you. I've had a lot of really great conversations with people who are still pro-choice but maybe have swung a little bit more towards the pro-life side. But I think when you approach it with kindness and understanding and you're playing offense and not defense, it's easier to have a conversation with someone who has a different opinion. You're spot on. You're, you're speaking my language now. Our tagline here on my <laughs> program is conservative, not bitter. And I think I think a lot of times people hear conservative voices, and I don't want to lump you in with political stuff. That's not my point. But as, as Christians, I know Ashley and I share a faith in Christ, but as Christians to be able to to share things that maybe folks – don't agree with, but if we do it in a certain way, there's at least the opportunity for dialogue. I mentioned that's why we have this uh, this position of conservative, not bitter on our program. Sometimes, sometimes you can really make some headway in certain areas if you simply um, do it in a certain you know, a certain way. Not lose that kindness, not lose that uh, loving perspective. Is that what you found as well? Yes, most definitely. I haven't received a lot of hate, which is usually shocking to people because I think going into this, everyone thought I'd be just pounded by the left or by the pro-choicers, and that's just really not been the case. 97% of the feedback I've had has been really positive, but the few and far in between that I have had that were just really outlandishly angry, I know that most of the time when a person comes at you so angry, it does come from a place of hurt. They've been hurt in the past. So to be able to respond in a way that isn't of the flesh as a Christian, to just go right back at them, but rather to respond with the fruit of the Holy Spirit, whatever that may be in that circumstance, it changes things. I mean, it immediately disarms people where they come at you with such hate and rage, and when you respond in a way that's loving, it almost immediately they drop their armor and say, wow, I didn't expect that. That's right. And I, I think, too, and this is what I was getting to when we dropped but I, when we talk about abortion on this program, which we don't do a whole lot, I mean, it's it can get heavy, as you all well know. But it's a, it's a pretty fundamental principle, I think, of uh, for Christianity, for conservatism, is being is being pro life and respecting and protecting the life, uh, the lives of the unborn. But I think one of the things that maybe we we the movement overall, the pro life folks, sometimes do. I don't want to lump everybody into this, but. Sometimes we have to think about how it's being – the message is being heard because I always make sure that women who have done these things in the past, this isn't intended to heap you know, uh, burning coals upon their heads or to make them feel guilty. That is something that's over and done with. Really, the movement is about what we do from this moment forward. Maybe, maybe speak a little to that. I completely agree. Just 
by the nature of what happens with an abortion, a lot of women do still shame, uh, regret, pain. Uh, there's some women who say they don't regret it. But when you speak to them, they go on the defensive immediately when you call them things like a murderer. I, I hate hearing the word murder associated with abortion. Yeah, we can talk about what happens during abortion, and we know it's the taking of an innocent life. But I think the way you choose your words says so much about how you affect other people. And we need to create a space where women who have suffered loss in the past feel safe coming forward and having that conversation where they feel like we're someone that they can confide in and not be judged. I think that's really important so that these women can receive healing and also know that you've never gone too far. This is not about what has happened in your past, but it's about what's happening now and what you can do moving forward with your life. When I think what you what you do personally, and I've seen some of your interviews and just the way you interact with, with folks on social media or what have you, but you have some personal, I guess, connections in some some sense. I mean, there, you, you found out uh, as you did the movie, and I'll let you tell the listeners about that, that you're uh, something your mother had told you uh, after the movie, it, you, either you had shot it or it was released. I'm not sure which one. And, um, you know, you also had an unplanned pregnancy. And so you have some points of connection with folks who may be in uh, those particular circumstances. Yeah. Going into the movies, first I'll start with that story. Everything happened really fast. I was offered the role and had four hours to get on a plane. It, it was not wow. a very traditional casting process. Everything was happening super fast. So I got on a plane in four hours, flew out to Oklahoma, was packed for seven weeks. Um, I had no time to talk to anybody about what was happening. I was learning over 100 pages of dialogue. I was in pre-production meetings, getting wardrobe fittings. My husband and my son and my sister knew I had left, but they were the only ones. So when my mom called me on the fourth day, I started to tell her about the movie, but I hesitated because I knew that she'd had an abortion when she was in high school. I didn't want her to think that this movie was about judgment or condemnation, and I didn't want to hurt her in any way by having a part in this movie. But as I went on to tell her what I was doing, um, she just completely broke down. And she said, Ashley, I need to tell you something that I never told you before. What you don't know is when I was 19, I was in the abortion clinic for the second time. They'd call my name back. I was on the table being examined by a very pregnant nurse, got sick to my stomach, and I just knew I couldn't go through with it. Mm. I got up, I walked out, and I chose to have you. And I didn't know that. Going into this project, I had no idea. You know, like I said, I was on the fence about being pro-life, and then going into it, I certainly didn't know that I was only seconds, minutes away from never walking the face of the earth. I mean, that's that's a pretty profound thing to process. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, especially considering I had just accepted this role to tell this incredible pro-life story. Uh, so that that hit me, I think, very personally. And I was never mad or angry. I was just so impacted by how much God loves us. Because for me, that was affirmation that I was right where I was supposed to be, that he had planned my story long before I was born and that I was walking in the path that he had planned for me, and that was just a really incredible moment. Amen. But backing up, yeah, amen. But uh, backing up long before that, I did experience my own unplanned pregnancy, something I've recently learned from 
uh, a fan, if you will, who had come to hear me speak, she came up to me and she said, you know, the Lord revealed something to me, and I want to tell you. And you always, you know, you hesitate when someone's like, the Lord has revealed something to me for you. I'm like, okay. <laughs> um, but she said to me, she said, do you realize that your son was born in March of 2010? I'm like, yes, I do. <laughs> yeah. She said, do you realize, <laughs> do you realize that the age of the baby that Abby saw die was the same age as your son at that time? She said, you were experiencing your unplanned pregnancy while Abby was leaving Planned Parenthood. Hmm. And I thought, whoa, that's kind of crazy <laughs> when you think about all the details and like you go and you try to connect all the dots and just crazy things that have happened with this movie. But yeah, and experiencing my unplanned pregnancy, um, my high school sweetheart and I had been in an on-again, off-again relationship. Uh, we were off, but we were kind of trying to reconnect and... I ended up getting pregnant. I was just out of college. I didn't have a job. I was living with my grandmother. We weren't married. It was obviously not ideal circumstances, but I knew from the beginning that I wanted to have my son. Um, we made a commitment to make it happen. I had to be on government assistance. I had WIC. Uh, it was a very humbling experience to walk into the grocery store in my hometown and be among people that knew me and watched me pay for my groceries with WIC. Uh, but, you know, I feel like you do what you have to do as a parent, and you, you learn that you are living for someone other than yourself. Mm -hmm. And it taught me a lot about what it meant to love selflessly, and it taught me a lot about grit. I mean, just living your life with true grit and, and making things happen. I, you know, I used the system to help myself get, get back on my feet. And when I was ready and I was able, I got back on my feet and I, I got a job with benefits, like a grown-up, I guess. <laughs> and, you know, we, we worked really hard to provide for our son, got married, and the whole, the whole thing. Well, that's a, that's, a, that's a great story. And not only that, your story has impacted through the movie, your personal story. I mean, you, you've, literally, you've literally seen lives saved from this, right? I mean, you've had people come up and tell you, uh, decisions that have been made because of what they've seen in the movie or, or heard you talk about. Yeah, that's crazy. It's so crazy. I mean, your your goal as an artist, our, our deepest desire as actors is to affect people on such a personal level. I mean, that's why we're storytellers. But this is so far beyond that, to have someone come to you and say, I made a life decision. I gave my child life because of what I saw in the movie. That is just something that I don't know how I'll ever do a movie more impactful than I'm playing. I'm like, oh, this can't be the peak of my career. You know, like I just got started. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but, you know, it's like if I never did anything again in my life, I'm so proud. I won't, I'll never look back in 50 years and say, gosh, I wish I hadn't done that. Mm -hmm. I think the fact that, you know, even one life was positively affected by my part in Unplanned, it's all worth it. I, I'm just so happy and Speaking of my career, it is alive and healthy. I get asked that question a lot. Incredible doors have been opened. My career is, is blossoming. It's thriving. So just putting that out there. I've not been blacklisted. It's all good. Oh, well, good. I'll ask you really quickly about your, your scholarship and then where folks can come and see you here in the Indianapolis area here in the not-too-distant future. So you started this, uh, this, this scholarship um, because – I think your heart is to help women to see that there are options, right? Just because you have an unplanned pregnancy, it doesn't mean that you have to sacrifice other things, that your career is over and all these sorts of things. So you started this unplanned movie scholarship. 
Uh, maybe talk about that and, and kind of the motivation behind it. I have received a lot of messages from young girls on social media, and I'm a crazy person. I actually try to respond to everyone myself, but it meant a lot to me because I was hearing people's personal stories. They entrusted me to share vulnerable parts of their lives, and there were several young girls who had reached out to me and just said, I'm pregnant. I don't know what to do. I'm going to have to give up everything. I have to drop out of school, and I just thought, whoa, no, 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 you don't. Is it going to be hard? Yes. But are there people who will help you? Absolutely. And again, it just seemed like such a simple problem to solve to say, you can do this. You just need a little help. Uh, And so from there, I reached out to an organization that I had become connected to called Heartbeat International. I got the full blessing of the producers and directors to pursue this on my own. And I spoke to Heartbeat International, and I just said, hey, how do you feel about partnering together to get this message out, to start this scholarship fund? I've never done anything like this before, but you have almost, you know, over 2,000 pregnancy resource centers across the world. I think this is a great platform to not only help women financially, but to, to connect them to resources right there in their community. And they loved it. They absolutely loved it. And it was my heart to leave a legacy of giving for the movie. I kind of wanted this to be my my mark, if you will, my voice in the movement. I've been kind of struggling to find my footing. Like, how do I fit in here? I want to continue with this, but I'm also an actress. I have to continue with my career. How can I leave a mark? How can I continue on to support this movement? And it just felt like the right fit for me. And Heartbeat International has been incredible to work with. Well, it's, it's an inspiring story. I hope that folks are inspired to wherever they find themselves, wherever God has planted them, to take advantage of the things that are presented because I think that you definitely uh, inspire and motivate folks to uh, to achieve that. So you're going to be in Indianapolis here Tuesday, December 3rd, 6.30, Right to Life Indiana is hosting their uh, Christmas gala, and you're going to be speaking there. So if folks want to maybe tell folks about that, they want what, what would they maybe hear at this event? Uh, do they get to meet you? What, what's, what's going on there? Yes, I'm really excited about being there. I have never been to Indianapolis before, so I think it's going to be a fun trip. Uh, there will be an opportunity to mingle with people, get to speak to people personally, Uh, I get to share my whole testimony, which is a little bit more than what I've shared today. I get asked a lot, you know, how did you get into acting? Uh, When did you give your life to Jesus? Uh, How did you get the role of Abby Johnson? So I go a little bit more in depth than most people know about my story, which is really fun to share. And you're going to hear a little bit more about what the Indiana Right to Life organization is doing in that state to help promote a culture of life. And I'm just really happy to be there to support them. Well, we appreciate you coming. I'll tell you that I'm looking at snow out my home studio window right now, so nothing quite like coming to Indianapolis in December, Ashley. <laughs> no. <laughs> so, hey, one last question before I go. I saw this. I don't. You never know if these things are true that that you read, but I I read that you practice Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, and this gets me excited because I've trained Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. Is is this true? Is this accurate? It is true. It is, and I. Uh... My goal this year was to earn two more stripes. I have a white belt with two stripes. Nice. And I previously competed. But this year I have been so busy that my training has been really inconsistent. So I'm hoping that November, December, I can be in the gym at least four times a week and, and really prove to my professor that I'm working hard. There you go. It, it's a very slow, methodical process to get stripes and to increase your, your level of the belt and so forth. So I admire that about you as well. 
Well, thank you. Thank you very much. This is Ashley Bratcher. She is the lead actress of the movie Unplanned. She played Abby Johnson. If you haven't seen the movie, check it out. It's Unplanned. She will be at the uh, Indiana, excuse me, Right to Life Indiana annual Christmas gala, Tuesday, December 3rd, 630 at the Ritz-Charles in Carmel, Indiana. You are listening to Home of Conservative, Not Better Talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff, back in just a minute. Welcome back to the program. By the way, by the way, I should mention that this program is brought to you in part by the good folks at the Scott Smith Realty Team, Keller Williams. They are, I have mentioned this, this is the last day. You might have heard me mention this. You might have heard the ad uh, running in the program as well, but they are having, they're collecting, I should say, gently used luggage, suitcases, duffel bags that can, but they don't have to be. They can be packed with things like toys. Uh, coloring book supplies, coloring supplies, toiletries, new and gently uh, or gently used clothes, shoes. They will be giving these, donating these to the Children's Bureau of Indianapolis who helps kids uh, who are in the foster uh, process, foster system. And you can drop off uh, your donations. Today is the last day at Scott Smith's office. Keller, uh, Keller Williams Realty on the south side in Greenwood. The address is 1644 Fry Road. That goes through today, through today, November 22nd. So if you've uh, planned on doing that, today is the last day, and I appreciate uh, those of you who have uh, ha- have done that, um, and, and just thank you for for supporting uh, the Children's Bureau and for helping uh, Scott and his team. I, I appreciate that. So... um. I mentioned before this conversation that we just had with Ashley, which, by the way, had a great time talking with Ashley. I I have a great time talking with the folks that we uh, bring on this program. And as we expand and grow our program, which we're, as you know, going to a second hour, we'll be doing more uh, interviews like this. But um, I so it's 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 sometimes challenging with the amount of time to, to get to these interviews because I like to talk with the folks longer. I think I think one of the tragedies in our modern culture is that we live in a soundbite culture. And I'm not against, look, it's important to be able to be on message. It's important to be able to communicate ideas concisely and clearly. But I tell you, a lot of these soundbites, I'm talking political soundbites, but this flows over to my theory or philosophy on the way we conduct interviews. A lot of this, a lot of these soundbites have no substance. They're just things that sound good. Or that there's a two percent, you know, relation to truth in the in the soundbite or the talking point, and and actually spending more time uncovering uh, some of the nuances and and I don't know uh, specifics from a particular guest, uh, if it's a po- politician in particular, you can actually get to more uh, conversation and and I guess uh, relevance and truth and that sort of thing. So that's why we do these longer. We'll be doing more of these interviews. Hope you enjoyed it. Hope you enjoyed it. I have a few more words about the Horowitz uh, report, which is supposed to be coming out apparently here on uh, December the 9th. So, but I've got to squeeze in another break because we are off of the schedule because that interview was a little bit longer and I've got to take a time out. You're listening to the home of conservative, not better talk. I am your host, Todd Huff, back here in just a minute. 
couple of quick things here before we have to wrap up for the week. So I mentioned earlier before before our in, uh, conversation interview with, with Ashley Bratcher that um, Michael Horowitz, Inspector General, who has been looking into all sorts of things pertaining to the way that the FBI and uh, our government basically was handling – the Trump campaign back in 2015-2016, and that report has been long anticipated. We've not uh, pontificated much about that or gotten into that specifically because we're really just waiting. But it has some information, supposedly, from what we're being told. There may be criminal referrals in this thing. There may be uh, evidence that the FBI, at least a lawyer for the FBI, falsified the FISA document. Remember Carter Page? This is where all this started, right? The Russian dossier, Carter Page spying on the Trump administration, which they absolutely unequivocally spied on the Trump campaign, I should say, not the administration. Well, who knows? Maybe the administration as well. But they spied on the Trump campaign. The question is whether it was justifiable, whether it was legal whether they follow the right rules and processes and so forth. And that's what this report, in part, is going to uh, tell us when we can finally see this particular thing. So this is, by the way, this is, by the way, what, if this turns out to be true, this is what real evidence of corruption looks like that doesn't have to rely on speculation and hearsay. So we'll see. We'll see what happens, what we find out from this report. But I've got to take a timeout. You're listening to the home of conservative, not better talk. I am your host, Todd Huff. Back in just a minute. By the way, listening to that last spot by Jay Hyde of uh, Shepherd Community Center is uh, it's a fantastic short little I'm gonna call that a little sermonette or something a little thirty second living the compassion of Christ great job by Jay they do great work over there also should tell you tomorrow Saturday November twenty third at one p.m. one p.m. my good friend and longtime advertiser supporter of this program uh, Freegy TJ Freegy is his name Freegy and Freegy Auctions and Marketing are having their annual Vintage Signs, Toys, and Collectibles auction. I'm looking here at the flyer. There's furniture, vintage signs, collectibles, gas pumps, tractors, and, yes, just toys. Uh, it doesn't say toys for the boys, but, guys, there's some cool stuff here. You can check it out, find out more information about what might be at this auction by visiting the website, freegeauctioneers.com, F-R-E-I-J-E, auctioneers with an S, Com. Guys, another week here in the books. Um, and again, as we said off the top, the impeachment story at this point is not whether or not the House is going to vote to impeach. Nancy Pelosi is on is on that. In fact, according to the reports, is even um, threatening to, well, is negotiating behind closed doors to get Democrats uh, in order to vote for this trade deal. She's negotiating for votes for impeachment. So, We'll follow that next week where it goes. Have a great weekend. SDG. See you soon. Take care.